you have a Bible with you, you guys can keep playing the whole sermon if you want to. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you have a Bible with you, we'll be in. We'll start in Matthew chapter 28. Normally around Christmas, we begin in the be- like beginning of the book of Matthew. Uh, curveball. We're at the end. Okay. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one under a chair somewhere around you. If you don't own a Bible, uh, we'd love to gift you with one before you leave this morning. You can just stop by the info desk and say, hey, I would like a Bible, and we will put one in your hands, okay? Um, so last week was a little bit of a different week. Um, this week will be a little bit of a different week too, though not as much so. Um, last week, I spent a lot of time just talking through this proposal that we've kind of put before you. Uh, it started way back in August, and then... Um, kind of brought it back on the, the front burner last week. The proposal is to um, that, that we would begin the process of transitioning this campus to be a, an, an autonomous or self-governing church. Uh, and so if you weren't here for that last week, uh, you missed a doozy. And uh, there's a proposal of, of everything we talked about just a lot more succinctly than I said it. Uh, there's a physical copy of that. <clears throat> excuse me, out in the lobby, looks like this. It's on that table. If you are a, uh, a regular here and would like to know what's going on, that's for you to pick up. Um, I encourage you to grab that. And then uh, if you, you weren't here last week, I, I do want to encourage you to go back and listen to last week. Uh, not because it's the most exciting thing that you will have ever heard, uh, not at all, but I do think it's important that we're kind of all on the same page as much as we can be. So uh, if you weren't here last week and you're like, man, I feel like I'm jumping in the middle of a movie here. I know, have no idea what's going on. Um, you can go back on the media page on our website, watch the sermon from last week. If you're a podcaster, you can find our VC podcast and listen to it uh, as you drive around town and do the things you do. But, but I do want to encourage you to check out uh, last week's, um, not a sermon, talk, discussion, whatever you want to call it. If you want to go check that out, uh, I would encourage you to do so. And then if you are like, you know what, not into digital stuff, don't want to go to the website, don't do podcasts, if you like live off the grid, I'm cool with that, right? I will give you a copy of my sermon notes from last week, okay? Fair warning though, I don't always stick to my sermon notes. So if you can listen to what was said, that would probably be better for you, okay? Um, so this morning, we're, we're going to continue in that discussion uh, a, a bit, um, but, but let me go back to the actual proposal first, right? I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Here's, I'm just going to read it exactly as it is on this page. I think it will be on the screens too. Um, here, here's what we're proposing. I talked through uh, a lot of it last week. Um, it says this, In light of the New Testament example of churches planting churches and in an effort to provide more contextualized ministry as well as more localized and focused decision-making, It's a big caveat. Here's the actual proposal. We propose to begin the process, right, begin a process of transitioning our South Wilson campus to a self-sustaining autonomous church. Uh, From there, the the document goes on to kind of give you the bullet point highlights of everything I talked about last week. So um, last week was all about the process, okay? Again, not the most exciting of of things to talk about, but it was necessary, Um, about benchmarks and timelines and, and those sorts of things that uh, for most people are not exactly exciting, uh, but are still really important. Okay, those things are so important, uh, those administrative type things that 
Um, the Bible actually says multiple times that the Holy Spirit gives believers, uh, like some believers, the gift of administration. Right? When we think of spiritual gifts, most of us don't think of administration, right? Most of us are like, you know, we think of like uh, uh, encouragement or teaching. And then some of us, man, maybe like just prophecy. And if you're real crazy in a Baptist church, you can talk about the gift of tongues, Okay. Most of us think of those. Most of us don't think of the gift of administration, and yet multiple times the Bible says, no, the Holy Spirit gives believers, some believers in the church, the gift of administration, right, to strengthen and build up the church. So all that to say, those things are important, okay? Um, I just know that most people don't get hyped at the thoughts of bylaws and budgets and church polity and government structures, okay? I, I know that I get excited about those things. Like, those are the books I read in my free time, Okay, you can tell what a thrilling person I am. Okay, but like, like I know uh, that most of us don't get hyped by those. But um, be that as it may, this week is going to be less about those things. Okay, uh, and I want to spend mo- more of our time focusing on the why. Okay, last week, if you want to frame it this way, last week was about the what. Here's what we're proposing, and here's what it might look like. This week, I just want to spend more time talking about the why behind that. Okay, so we're talking like less information, hopefully a little more inspiration. Okay, less details, hopefully a little more dreaming about what the future might look like here. Okay, that's kind of the goal for this morning. In fact, my hope is that if you leave here this morning, um, my hope is you'll leave here, you will leave here this morning kind of just dreaming about what the future might look like here, more specifically, what, what your spot in the future might look like here, okay? So, uh, if that happens, I'll consider it a win. But with that in mind, uh, if you have your Bibles open, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 28, some very familiar verses we're going to look at. Uh, And and again, this is going to kick us off talking about the the why. Like, why would we propose something like this at this point in time? Um, That's kind of the angle I'm taking this morning. So let's begin Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse... 16. Matthew writes, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. I find this fascinating. But some doubted. Okay? So, before, like, Jesus is about to lay out the mission, but before that he sets the scene. And I find it fascinating that Jesus calls his disciples, to put it in the storyline, this is after his death, burial, resurrection. This is like before, right before he's about to ascend back to heaven to be with the Father. He calls his disciples, at least the 11. Scholars think there was probably more than just the 11, but uh, calls these people that have committed their lives to kind of following Jesus. He calls them there on this mountain. And it says that some of them doubted. Right? I mean, like they just witnessed Jesus's Life, crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, uh, walked out of that tomb a few days later, showed up in a room where they were gathered, where the doors were locked, showed them the the wounds in his hands and his feet and his side, and yet, even still, some of them are like, you know, I just don't know about this. Not sure about it. Maybe it's AI. Okay, right? Now, the reason I say that is is because, like, it, it gives me... Like, it's just a reminder that, like, 
if there was still some hesitancy around the resurrected Jesus among those who followed him, like if those who had committed their lives to following him were still like, yeah, but I don't know. I'm going to need a little more evidence. Right? That just gives me hope. Like if, if that was where they were, then like it doesn't matter how hard we try to articulate a vision or the, the why behind the vision. Like there's still going to be some doubt. There's still going to be some uncertainty. There's still going to be some, man, I don't know about this. And what I'm saying is that's okay. Right? That's okay. Because... Right? If there's no room for any doubt, if there's no room for any uncertainty, if there's no room for any like, mm, I don't know, then there's really not any room for faith. Right? You've got to have some element of like, I'm not really sure about this if you're going to exercise any amount of faith. All right? But anyways, here's where I want to go on. The text continues in verse 18. And this is where Jesus is going to lay out the mission for not only these disciples, but for every follower of Jesus that would ever exist, which includes like us in this place. Right? Here's what Jesus says, starting in verse 18. This is, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? If you have a church background, there's a good chance that you've heard those words uh, to some degree. Maybe a different translation, but, but either way, um, you're familiar with them because this is like the mission of the church. Of, uh, this is not a mission. This is the mission of the church, and not just this church Every church that has ever existed that is worth being called a church. Like, this is the mission. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Right? That's the mission for, for every church. Okay, and, I, and what I want you to see is the first word of the mission in verse 19. The first word, go. Right? In other words, the church is not just a place that we go to. The church is a gathering of people who are called to go. Right now, we do gather here. That's a good and right thing. Scripture commands us to gather here. Right? I would suggest if there's no gathering, there's not a church. Okay? But the church is not just a place that we go to. It is a gathering of people who are called to go. But in order to go or be sent means that, like we need a destination. Right? If you don't have a destination, then are you really going anywhere? You're just kind of like aimlessly wandering, right? So where are we sent to? It's the next question. Okay, and to answer that, um, I would encourage you, if, if you want to, you can turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Okay, this is a parallel passage to what we just read in Matthew. This is um, sort of Luke's account of this, and he emphasizes uh, Jesus' words when he, when he says this in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 8. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Right, so Jesus tells them here in, in the book of Acts what they will do. 
Right? You will be my witnesses. Okay? You will declare and proclaim the good news of the gospel right, to all these places. Right? So he tells them what they will do. You will be my witnesses. You will proclaim the good news. And then he tells them where they will do it. In Jerusalem. In all Judea and Samaria. To the ends of the earth. Okay? Now this is a verse. Okay? If, you, if you have a church background, you, you may be familiar with this. If not, that's fine. But this is a verse that traditionally has been used to kind of um, emphasize like foreign or, or global missions, right? Taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. As it should be, right? It's in the verse. It says, to the ends of the earth. Okay? Um, and, and like that's a, that's a good, right thing. Right? God cares deeply about the nations. He cares deeply about his glory and the gospel advancing to every nook and cranny of his creation. And the reason I know that is because the end of the book paints this scene in Revelation 7 of kind of this vision, this glimpse into the future, and it's people from every nation, every tribe, every language gathered around the throne worshiping King Jesus. Like that's the future. Okay, the way that I've said it before um, is, is that Heaven is going to be filled with a lot of people that don't look or sound anything like you. And it's going to be awesome. Right? My hope is that, gosh, I hope one day this church looks a little more like that. Right? People that, that don't look and sound like you, that are gathered here. Uh, kind of this little glimpse of that here and now until we get to do it for all eternity in heaven. Right? But, but here's where I want to, what I want to take you to is I do think that sometimes in like emphasizing the good and right, like taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, to, to the other side of the globe, and it's a good and right thing. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I think sometimes in emphasizing that aspect, like we've like easily overlooked where the mission starts. Right? It's like Jesus said to them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Do you know like, do you know where they were when they were hearing these words? Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus says, hey, I'm sending you on a mission. Be my witnesses. Make disciples. Take the good news of the gospel, my glory, ultimately to the ends of the earth. But that's going to start where you are right now. Okay, so what that means for you and me is that our mission, because this is what we're all called to. This was not just for a select few. This is... Any of us that would say, hey, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he saved me from my sins. I submit to him as Savior and Lord. Like, this is the call on our lives, which means our mission begins right where we are. Okay? So, at an individual level, here's, here's what that means. Right? You are called to be a witness of the good news of Jesus Christ, like where you are right now. Right? The, the language that I tend to use, probably because I have unconsciously stolen it from somebody else, is that you are called to be a witness, to, to make Jesus known in the places that you live, work, and play. Right? We all have places that we live, work, and play. All right? So let's, at an individual level, so I'm talking about you as an individual person, if you live in a home with others, and you're a follower of Jesus, then, then you are God's plan for making Jesus known inside the walls of that home. Right? This, is, this is why like parents, 
your first mission field is your children, right? Okay, if, where, wherever you live. So think outside of your home a little bit, okay? If you live in a subdivision, a neighborhood, apartment complex, wherever, like if you're a follower of Jesus, you are God's plan for making Jesus known in that place, okay? Whatever it looks like, okay? Then you zoom out a little more. So we talked about where we live. Here's what about where we work, right? If you work outside of your home, you are God's plan for making Jesus known in that place where you work, among your coworkers and your colleagues, okay? You think you're there to get a paycheck, right? And Jesus is like, no, actually you're there working for me to make me known in that place, and I'm going to be gracious enough to let you get paid for it, right? That's how it works, okay? Now zoom out a little more. So we got places we live, where we work. What about where we play? Hey, all of us probably have things that we like to do outside of home and work, right? Maybe your kids play sports somewhere or maybe your family likes to do this, that, or the other, right? And I think God, in his plan of redemption, has put you in those places, yes, to enjoy things like sports, right? Sports are a good gift from God, okay? They're not ultimate. They're not an idol, but they're a good gift. We should enjoy those things. But in God's plan of redemption, like, like you're put there at the soccer field, at the baseball field, at the whatever you like to do, like to make Jesus known among the families that you interact with week to week. Right? That's, like, that's a mission field for you. I would say that's a really good mission field because I've been to some of these games and I know how some of these people act. Hopefully it's none of you act that way. Right? See, these places like, that we already... like. God's not asking you to, to add anything to your schedule or add anything to your travel plans. It's like where you already are, those places where you live, work, and play, those are your Jerusalems, okay? That's at an individual level. This is also true of us together as one body at a corporate or, or church level, right? In, in other words, the all-knowing, all-powerful sovereign, always in control, creator of the universe, knew what he was going to do at 6746 South Wilson Road long before Valley Creek ever bought this property. Like God had a plan for his glory, for his name, for the gospel to be known here on the north side of E-Town. And that plan was in place long before Valley Creek bought this. It was in place long before Roy ever sold furniture here. Okay, I don't I just hear about that. I don't know anything about it. Okay. It was this he had this plan before the foundations of the world. God said, that's a place where I'm gonna put an outpost of my kingdom and they're gonna make my name known on the north side of E-Town. Right? He had a plan, and that plan is us. Right? Now maybe you look around and you're like, wow, maybe God shouldn't have a better plan. Nope. He knows what he's doing. This is his plan. We are the plan, along with other brethren, churches, sister churches around here. Like, we are God's plan for reaching this community. So what does any of this have to do with a proposal to begin transitioning to an autonomous church? Okay. As I said earlier, I want to spend our time talking about the why. Okay. And and this kind of gets us to the why sort of under or, or behind the proposal which is really what we're getting at. The why is the ability and the freedom to do more 
contextualized, focused, specific ministry here in our Jerusalem. Right? That's, that's the why. Okay? To, un, to unpack that a little bit, um, back in all the years run together, I've been here almost three years now, uh, 2022. Back in 2022, we did some assessments of both campuses, just to kind of learn a little bit more, like, like who are we actually ministering to? Okay, and and what, what became clear pretty quickly is that we are ministering to some very different areas of the community. Okay, they're just different. Right? I know that feels weird to say because we're in the same town, the same zip code. It's like we're thir- somewhere between 13, 20 minutes apart, depending on whether or not you obey the traffic laws. Right? It's, it feels weird to be like, man, this is different places, but it just is. Right? They're different areas of the community. We're, we're trying to minister as different people, right? two different people in a different place. Okay, more specifically, um, what we did at this campus is, is kind of pulled up a map and just drew roughly a, like a one and a half mile radius kind of around this campus using some natural borders like roads and highways and stuff. Roughly about a, a mile and a half radius. Um, and, and we said, this is our Jerusalem. What would it look like if we just focused as much of our effort here as we could, okay? Uh, and here's, let me give you some things we, we learned. I've kind of tried to succinctly summarize it, but first, this, our Jerusalem, is like we're smack dab in the middle of an increasingly diverse community, okay? The, the area where we're located uh, is one of the more increasingly diverse areas in E-Town, okay? I'm talking about there's Racial diversity, there's uh, socioeconomic diversity, there's um, religious, even religious diversity, okay? And this was kind of the things we learned from surveys and information available online and some, some interviews with neighbors. I would say just in my experience, like I, I do some substitute teaching in the local school system, I would say that is definitely true, okay? I, I, I try to sub kind of around the schools here, in like close to this campus, and I would say like, like this is a really diverse area that we're trying to, to minister to, okay? So it's a diverse community. It is a disconnected community, okay? For a whole variety of factors that I don't have time to get into, like our neighbors tend to be fairly transient in nature, okay? Because a lot of the people in this community have not lived here for a very like extended period of time. They, they've, they lack deep connections with one another, they like connections to churches, other organizations that, that want to help and, and care and, and support them, okay? So it's diverse, disconnected. Uh, this is a uniquely broken community, okay? Now, every community's broken, so don't hear something I'm not saying. Like, I don't care if you live in the projects or if you live in a gated community on a golf course. Your community's broken, okay? That's what sin does. Like, it Everywhere has been fractured by sin. But, but what we learned is there's just some unique brokenness here around us that maybe they don't feel in the same ways or see in the same ways at our uh, Springfield campus. Okay? They're, they're trying to minister to their needs. We've got some unique brokenness here to minister to. And on top of all that, like, this is a rapidly changing community. Okay? That is no secret to anyone that has been alive for more than seven minutes. Okay? Like, it, just drive down the road. There's popping up 
rental stuff, every, every uh, apartments and all that, every, every plot of land that's available. All right, we've got new uh, organizations that are going to be moving in down the road here. Like, it's just a rapidly changing community, and it's going to continue in the years to come. And so what that means is that making disciples here, being witnesses here, doing ministry and making Jesus' name known here in our Jerusalem will need to look different. Right? It will need to look different than it has in the past, and it will need to look different than it does at our other campus. Right? They're trying to reach their unique community, and it's just different than this one. Okay, So we're, we're talking about this language in the proposal. We're talking about contextualization. It's a big word. It basically just means that we're trying to do unique ministry connects to the unique community around us through, so, so it's not just out there, it's, it is unique out there, so we're, but it's also trying to do unique ministry using the congregation that's here. Okay? Because not only is the community different, right, this gathering of people is different. Right? We're a different people with different gifts, different skill sets. The Lord has wired us in different ways, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. You know how lame it would be if every church looked exactly the same? Right? That's not a picture of revelation that we just talked about. Right? We're just a different people. Okay? And, and when I talk about contextualization, um, we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Okay? This, is, this is Paul writing, Paul, like greatest church planter or, or church starter that the world has ever known. He, this is what he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Okay, he says uh, in, in verse 20, To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. It says, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. And he sums it up like this. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Right? His point is that the good news of the gospel, does, like the message doesn't change. Okay? The mission doesn't change. Right? His mission was to share the gospel with others, whoever God put in his path. Okay? So the message doesn't change. The mission doesn't change. What Paul's saying here is, like, I'm willing to adapt my methods in whatever way I need to in order to reach the people that the Lord has put in my path. Okay, Paul had no problem taking a different approach as he ministered to different people in different places. Okay? And so be because there are certain aspects of ministry that will just need to look different here, if we're going to be an effective witness in this community, like I would, like I would go so far to say, is there certain aspects of ministry that have to look different here, if we're going to be effective in reaching our community? Right? Like there's there's no there's no one size fits all approach to to reaching the people around you. Okay, when you when you begin to consider the unique aspects of, of this congregation and you consider the unique aspects of the community that we're placed in, right, there is no one-size-fits-all approach. Okay? And 
And so like, like they, things have to look different. They need to look different if we're going to be as effective as I think we can be. Okay? And, and here's, I also think, as long as we are kind of operating under the, this uh, one church in two locations, I think there's an implicit expectation that whatever happens at one place will be replicated at the other. Okay, I just think like that's kind of comes with the territory. And, and what I'm submitting to you is like it just can't. Because we're a different people that gather here week to week. Ministering to different people around us. And if we're being effective in how we minister and how we reach and how we proclaim and how we, we connect with the community around us, I would, I would submit to you that like, things can't be replicated across both locations. Okay? So to give you... Um, let me back up. To give you a little bit of evidence as to why I think like, we've got such a room to like, grow in this area. Okay? is the reality is like most of us in this room, I don't know about all of us, but most of us pro- probably don't live in a mile and a half radius from this campus. And I'm not dogging that. Ain't nothing wrong with that at all. Right? The Lord is going to send us people from wherever he wants to send us people. Praise the Lord for that. Okay? But, but I do think like, like there's something to be said for the fact that there's not a lot of people in this room that live in a mile and a half radius of this campus. It means like we've got work to do in reaching the people that live around us. Okay? We we've got a real opportunity here. Okay? And like on any given Sunday, we've I talk about this often. On any given Sunday, 85 to 87 percent of Hardin County is not in church anywhere. Okay. And, and as a campus, as a church that is in one of the more centrally located, easily accessible places in our county, like that should bother us. That should bother us. should give us like a holy discontent that we've got how many thousands of people within a five to 10 minute drive and 85 to 87% of them are not in church anywhere on a given Sunday. We have a massive Opportunity. Massive opportunity. Okay? So, kind of along those lines, to press that a little further, because of my argument, right, ministry will just need to look different here. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a good thing. Okay? But because ministry will need to look different here, I think that means there's an increasing need for localized, focused, uh, leadership and decision making here at this place. Okay, in other words, those of us that call this campus our church home, those of us that call this community our Jerusalem, right? Like we should bear the burden and the responsibility and should be accountable for making decisions that affect how we minister in this place as a unique people to a unique people, okay? Now, here's, here's my concession, okay? Could we do all of this and remain a campus of Valley Creek Baptist Church? Honestly, 
Yes. We could. All right, we could, we could say, like, let's, let's figure some stuff out here. Let's maybe tweak some things. Let's, um, you know, let's make some adjustments here and there and how we do things. And, right, we, we could do that. Right? But at some, here's what I would just ask you to consider. At, at some point on that trajectory, if there are, are two unique congregations doing unique ministry to two unique communities, then really you're no longer one church in two locations. Okay? The reality is that you're, you're two churches that have the same name slapped on the building. Okay? And, and if we're being really honest, can we just be really honest? This is not a negative. It's just pointing out reality. Like, I think some of us already kind of feel that. Just a little. Okay? So, here's what I want to do. Okay, I said earlier that, that my hope is that you would leave here this morning dreaming about the future of this place and what your part might be in it. Okay? And so I want to, I want to prompt you to that end with, with a, a couple of questions, a few questions. All right? First, let me talk about you as an individual. So just you as a person. What might it look like if you really leaned in to reality, to the reality that the Lord has placed you where you are on purpose, for a purpose. Right? That, that the place where you live is not just the place where you live. Right? The place where you work is not just the place where you get a paycheck. The place where you play and the extracurricular activities you enjoy are not just a place for you to right, enjoy and, and burn off some stress. What if you leaned into the reality that you are in those places on purpose for a purpose, and that purpose is to make Jesus' name known in those places? Like, what if you began to see your neighborhood, your, your workplace, your, the, the baseball, their soccer field, not as like some obligation that, that you are bound to, but as an opportunity? Because what I'm submitting to you, like, that's what it is. Okay? It may feel like a nine-to-five grind, and what I'm telling you is that the God of the Bible says, no, you're going to grind out your nine-to-five in this place and be my disciple and make disciples there. Okay, so, so what if we like, leaned into that? I said, this is, these, these places where we live, work, and play are not just our obligations, but they are an opportunity for us to make Jesus known. Okay? And then here, let's think about that corporately. So that, so that was individually, you as a, as a single person. Let's talk about us corporately as a, as a church body. What might this place look like if we got really serious about the community around us? Our Jerusalem, where the Lord has uniquely, purposefully placed us. Like what if we got really strategic and said, no, we're going we're gonna to do ministry in such a way that connects with our neighbors here? Right, what, what if we got really specific and said, how can we be a more effective witness in this place at this point in time as a unique group of people? Okay, now here, I'm not pretending to have all the answers. Okay, regardless of where the future of this thing goes, I, I don't have, at this point in time, I don't have some big 
plan to roll out to you and say, this is exactly what we're going to do, and this is exactly how it's going to happen, and if we'll do this, we'll reach all our neighbors, and it'll be awesome. I don't have that. Right? If we're a church body, that means each of us has a part to play. I don't know that we can know that until we all get together and figure this thing out together. Okay, so I'm not pretending to have all the answers. I'm not pretending to know what the future holds. But what I do have is, is the comfort of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 3.6. This is what Paul again, this is what Paul writes. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. And so all I'm asking is what if we began to think a little more intentionally about planting and watering in this unique place. If we just took ownership of our Jerusalem and said, it starts here. Right? What if we began to just think a little more contextually and ministered in ways that, that make sense for us? Right? We ministered out of, our, out of our gifts, out of our abilities, out of our resources, out of our experiences. And we ministered to our neighbors who have their own unique Stories and backgrounds and, and influences. And like, what if we made this place our Jerusalem and, and we planted and we watered and we worked hard and we labored, all the while like begging and pleading for God to give the kind of growth that really only He can give, anyways? Right? We could figure some things out to draw, a, to like draw a crowd. I mean, goodness, we've seen that at Easter egg hunts and trick or treat. Like, we can get a crowd assembled. I mean, only only God can like grow a church. Only God can give like actual, real spiritual growth. But we've got to water and we've got to plant. I guess I got those backwards. We got to plant and we got to water. All right. And at the end of the day, that's really the opportunity that's before us. Is to take this plot of ground that the Lord has kind of entrusted to us and say like, okay, how do we best plant? How do we best water? All the while asking God to give the growth that only he can give. Okay? Now before, before we shut it down this morning, I want to give you like a real life tangible example of, of what it looks like to plant and water in this place. Okay? Um, as many of you are aware, we have like a partnership with um, partnership might be a strong word, but we're trying to develop a relationship with New Highland Elementary up the road. We've, at various points, we've had thing, we've had an after-school program. We've, uh, we always invite their students and families to our activities here. Um, we have some of you have volunteered at their uh, fall festival earlier this year. You've donated gift cards uh, to, to their family resource center. Like we, we try to just make that a, a point of connection here. This last Friday, I got an email from a representative from the school, okay? And, and her point in the email was basically just like, it's been a really challenging few weeks for us. We've had a lot of illness, um, had like one staff member like broke her neck or something. I don't, like that seems absurd to me. I don't know all the details there. Uh, multiple staff members that had lost loved ones. Uh, and so this representative, she just sends me an email. And she's like, hey, is there any way that, that, like you might be willing to just kind of encourage our staff a little bit. And I'm like, as a matter of fact, yes. <laughs> right, I, would, I would love to. I would, like, like think about what's happening here. 
because we have tried to plant and we have tried to water and we have tried to grow this relationship with this elementary school right up the road, in a season of discouragement, a public school, like where do they turn to? The church. They said, hey, we, we're just discouraged. Can you help us? And so, like, that's, that's amazing. Like, that's what it looks like to, to plant and water and continue to plead and ask that God would give the growth. And so because of your generosity, as a church, this week, we're going to feed them. We're going to let them know that we are a church who cares for them. Okay? We are going to let them know we're praying for them. We're going to point them to the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of Jesus Christ that is so prevalent in this Christmas season. Okay? And we're going to pray that, that God would continue to do a work there. In fact, if you're looking for application points, I would encourage you to pray this week. Right? Pray uh, for the teachers and the staff. Right? Pray that they would be encouraged right, by this just a small gesture, a small act. Right? Pray that, that uh, this might open the door for even more gospel conversations, even more opportunities in the future. Right? And I would pray that even beyond that, like pray that, that this would lead to more opportunities for our community to say, like, oh my goodness, there is a church there that used to be a furniture store, and they love our community. Right? They love this place. They're committed to this place. They care for this place. Right? This is just one step, but it's a real practical tangible example of what this looks like. Okay, so here's, here's how we're going to land the plane this morning, okay? Um, the band's going to come. They're going to lead us in a song of response. And here's what this song is. Okay, the song really is like a, it's kind of like a prayer. Okay, it's, it's looking back. It's remembering what God already has done. Okay, because God already has done a work here. I hope nothing I have said at this point makes you feel like everything is for nothing. God has done a work here. I'm just saying I don't think God's done here. I don't even think God's got started here. And so the song we're going to sing is just looking back. Here's what God has done. We've seen him move in power. And let's pray and ask him to do it some more. Okay. And so we're going to sing. I, I encourage you. To stand and sing with us here in just a moment. Make this your prayer. Okay, even if like you don't want to sing because you just don't like to sing. Uh, one, you're going to hate heaven. Two, um, you should. Two, like you should. I'm just being honest. <laughs> There's a lot of singing, from what I see. Okay, even if you don't like to sing, just make it the prayer of your heart, right? That that God would do a mighty work here in our Jerusalem, right? And gosh that he might use us to do it as we plant and we water, all right? So, um, as always, um, the altars are open. If there's anything you'd like to pray about, listen, I know how the Spirit works. You know how many times in my life, like I've preached or taught on one thing and then somebody would come to the altar and be like, this is what I would like to pray for and it has nothing to do with anything I've said for the last 40 minutes. That's fine. Spirit works in strange ways, right? So if you've got a a need this morning. We can pray for you. We'd love to do that, okay? Um, but I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to come, lead us in a song, um, invite you to pray, whether it's your seat, come to the altar. 
Uh, and then after that, I'm going to come back up because I have some very specific instructions that I want to give for some next steps. All right, but let me pray for us as the band comes. Father, we believe your word and that you have um, called us to be a sent people. And the, the first words in your mandate to us is to go. And so, Lord, I, I pray that we would, we would see that, that we are a people on mission, that you did not call us just to be a holy huddle that joins and gathers in one place on Sunday, though that is a really central, important part of what we do. I pray that you would help us to see that we are a sent people. Lord, at an individual level, I pray that we would sort of understand the burden you've placed on us, the, the good burden that you've invited us into your work to be your witnesses in the places that we live and work and play. I pray that as a church, corporately, together, that our hearts would, would, would grow and that our hearts would break for this unique place that you have set us down right in the middle of. Uh, Father, I, I pray that um, you would give us wisdom and discernment regarding the, the future of this campus and what it might look like. Because my prayer is the same as it was last week. If, if you are not in this, then I'm out. I don't want a part of it. But if you are in this, God, I don't want to do anything else. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, discernment as to what your will is for this unique people at this unique place at this unique point in time. Father, I pray that, that this church would be a place of hope in a diverse, disconnected, broken, rapidly and radically changing community. Father, I pray... Um, that as we plant and as we water, that you would give the growth. Lord, maybe that's numerical growth. We would love that. We would praise you for that. Lord, maybe that's just new opportunities to minister to our community in unique ways. Lord, whatever that looks like, we, we ask that as we do our part and kind of learn together what that looks like, that you would bless our efforts imperfect as they will be and that you would give the kind of growth that only you can give. So Father, I just want to pray that you would do a powerful work first in us and ultimately that you would do a powerful work through us. And Father, my prayer is that some years down the road we would look back at kind of this season and say, like, man, that was the beginning of the Lord doing something really special. That's what we want to see. That's what we're asking for. That's what we're begging for. That's what we cannot do in our own power and wisdom and discernment and energy and effort. And so we're asking you to help us. We're asking you to help us, Father, that your name would be lifted up, that, that the good news of Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, for the forgiveness of sin and the hope of eternal life, that that message would would resound here in our Jerusalem. So Father, would you do what, what only you can do? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.